0: kids are released at this time. We kind of have the directions up there pretty quick. Anyhow, first through, well preschool, kindergarten, go right here. And first through sixth grade, follow Jane. And I don't know if the middle school, they're going to? Middle school, high schoolers follow this guy over here, Jim. And you guys get to go do something out there. Okay. Oh, we're still doing communion. I didn't even see that. So sorry about that. I Thought we were done. Sorry guys I was looking so hey today We are beginning a series in the book of Revelation Okay, and we're calling it the practical person's guide to the book of Revelation and let me just start out by pleading for mercy Okay, because I, well, first off, there's, some people take their views of the end times very seriously. Okay, there's people that, you know, it's a big deal for them. They get militants, all right? And so I I just want to say, please forgive me. I don't have all the answers on this thing. I'm not an expert. Uh, I know a few things, but I don't know everything, and I'm definitely not the last word. So, Uh, And there's just no way I'm going to get through this series without stepping on a few toes when it comes to interpretations. Just telling you up front. So please forgive me for that. However, this book is such a great source of encouragement that it's worth us going through and, and understanding how it affects our lives positively. And so that's what we're after in this series. In the last decades, we've had earthquakes, volcanoes, hurricanes, floods, famines, drought. As well as disease plagues pandemics and of course there's been all kinds of you know uh, wars violent conflict in the world there's terrorism nuclear threat then there's the economy and of course the last three years have been quite a roller coaster ride right and uh, the pandemic of course violent social activism woke defund the police the obliteration of gender it's just i can't wrap my head around that one it's just like, what is that about? Uh, critical race theory, we've had fires, we've had freezes, political scandals, unrest, economic downturn, more war. Do I need to go on? I mean, I could go on, but there's just all sorts of stuff. And many people are looking at all this stuff and saying, these are signs of the times. And everybody has a renewed interest in, you know, this end time stuff in the book of Revelation. And in conjunction with this, by the way, there's vast persecution against Christians going on throughout the world that is not even reported to us, a fraction maybe. And, uh, and so we don't, we don't even hear about the stuff that other Christians are enduring in other parts of the world. And uh, uh, while in our culture, you know, anything that defaces Christ and the church and God's people is blazoned in the headlines. And in fact, it's the price of being a Christian even in our culture is, is getting, you know, more. And so, this—we're we're, it, it, man, it looks like are these signs of the times. Well, God gave us the book of Revelation so that we wouldn't be taken by surprise when things get crazy. And that's, that's basically it. And it tells us troubled times are ahead, and it encourages us to keep our eyes on Jesus and remain faithful to Jesus. Can you remember that? You remember that? But because this book is so challenging, um, I want to start out with a few ground rules for how to approach the book of Revelation. These are some things I've found helpful. You may not agree with me. That's okay. But, But we find these ground rules in the first three verses of how to kind of perceive the book of Revelation. And so these are just some suggestions on how you can read it for yourself and not be a scholar, not be an expert, just read it and be blessed by the book. So let's look at verses 1 through 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. All right, the first thing I want you to notice is this book is meant to be a blessing, not a burden. And, uh, you know, the reason I say that is because the way some people teach Revelation, it's just plain confusing. It burdens us with confusing interpretations and hard things, and it's just hard. It's o- and the book of Revelation is open to a lot of interpretations and misinterpretations. They're just out there by the score. I mean, man, it's pretty wild. Multi-headed beasts, bizarre creatures, fantastical worldscapes. It's just wild. And many teachers create a lot of confusion when they teach it. And so Christians are like, I don't want to read this book. It's just confusing. G.K. Chesterton once said that nothing in the book of Revelation is as scary as any of one of its commentators. And that's really true. And it's really easy to get caught up in all the interpretations. Some people make it a big deal. Similarly, we have some people who teach Revelation. The way they teach it, it's not a blessing. It's just plain scary. And it scares the pants off you. It's just crazy stuff. And part, some parts are terrifying. You're reading and go, man, I don't want to be there when that happens. And uh, in, in, in the Gospels, God sent his son Jesus to the earth to mediate peace. Jesus, thank you, Eliab, God sent his son to bring us salvation, to to reconcile us to God, to, to mediate peace between mankind and God. In Revelation, the mediation is over. Jesus is coming again, not to mediate peace, but to bring justice and salvation to his people and justice to the world. And so, yeah, it gets a little scary. But some people capitalize on the fear factor and, uh, and make money off it, I might add. And it, it scares people away from it. And God did not give us the book of Revelation to scare us. Okay, that's not the purpose. How many of you heard of the rapture index, by the way? Have you heard of that? It's a, it's a website I ran into a few years ago. It's kind of funny. Uh, now, but for those of you who don't know, the rapture is a, is a thing in the Bible where it indicates that God's people are going to be airlifted, so to speak, to see Jesus just before the end. Okay, so that's, there's, and there's, there's different ways of explaining it, but that's kind of what it is. And so, and hopefully we're airlifted out before all heck breaks loose, right? Unfortunately, there's, there's enough heck in the world right now, it don't matter. There's no way Christians, you know, get out of this thing without experiencing some tribulation. But that's the rapture. But the rapture index, it, it, it goes through all the bad stuff that's supposed to happen before we get raptured. And it rates it. Okay? And so volcanoes and hurricanes and war, I mean, there's this list. You can go on there, you can find it, and it lists it, rates it. You know, your mother-in-law coming over, that's a high on the rapture, rapture index. Lord, come quickly. You know, it's, it's, it's scary. And so all these things, you know, and we're at a really, you know, all-time high of 188. And that's just like, he's coming, you know. And I got to say, it's all very interesting and entertaining. It's just not helpful. God did not give us the book of Revelation to figure out, you know, all that stuff. And so, he doesn't want to confuse us. He doesn't want to scare us. And by the way, if the book of Revelation does scare you, you might want to reconsider what side you're on. I'm just saying, you know, because if you are a son or daughter of Jesus, you have nothing to worry about. This, this book is a blessing to you. It just is encouragement. It lets you know that no matter what things look like, how crazy things look like, and they do look crazy now, God is in control. Jesus is in control. It's going to be okay. There's a happy ending. It's a blessing. And we could go more on that. And uh, and so it's meant to bless us. It's a ground rule. Secondly, understand the book of Revelation is helped to prepare us for the future, not predict the future. A lot of people, okay, use the book of Revelation for predictive purposes. And that's just not what it was meant to. And so... Um, it says the Apostle John wrote what is going to happen soon in verse 1, and in verse 3 it says the time is near. Well, the book of Revelation was written by the Apostle John while he was exiled on this little island called Patmos. And it was written in about 95, 96 A.D., or now they call it C.E., okay? And that's a, that's the first century, folks. That's 2,000 years ago, Okay. And so, it's been near or soon for 2,000 years. God and I must have a different idea of near and soon. But it raises the question, you know, near to who? Soon to who? What does that even mean? And this is where some people have different views on this thing. And I just want to get this out here so you know where people are at. There are some people who think the book of Revelation was near soon to those people living back then. In fact, they go so far to say everything in the book of Revelation has already been fulfilled. There's people out there that, that say that. And by the way, before you just dismiss it, they make a pretty good case, because there's a lot of things throughout history that line up, And so just don't dismiss it. But it's not a very popular view, understandably, okay? Because there's some things in Revelation you go, that ain't happened yet, okay? So you just have to look at that, okay? But then there's people who go the opposite direction, and they say everything in the book of Revelation is not near to them, but near to us. So it's now and the near future. And I got to tell you, that's a real popular view, and it's exciting. It sells a lot of books. It's a great talk show. It's, it's a moneymaker. You can make movies about this stuff. And again, it's a popular view, but there's some problems with it. For one, if... The book of Revelation is just relevant to us and the people of the future. That makes it irrelevant to the people of the first century and ever all Christians who've lived since then. Okay? The third most popular way to take it is that the book of Revelation was near and soon to them, and it's near and soon to us. In other words, Revelation describes an outfolding of history that began way back then and is still working itself out in the now. Does that make sense? And that makes sense because that way the book Revelation was a, a source of encouragement and blessing to the very first Christians in the first century who were being tortured, fed to the lions. I mean, this book helped them because they're dying for their faith. It was encouragement. And it blessed all the Christians in between and all the Christians since then, including us. And there's some other problems with making it all future, but I'm not going to get into that today. And so, you know, we have that. The third most popular view, though, is, is this idea that it's for all of us. And, uh, and it brings comfort to us. Many, but here's a problem with that. Because many try to interpret Revelation as a straight timeline from the beginning to the end. And it's very popular. People do that. But the problem with that, when you take that view that Revelation is a timeline from the beginning to the end, you basically have to revise your interpretation every 30, 40 years because the, the, the historical landscape changes. Back in my day, there was a guy named Hal Lindsey who wrote Lay Great Planet Earth, and he had it mapped out. That's all, you know, the prophecies fall flat, and it brings discredit. It discredits the church. It, it hurts our credibility. And so we gotta be careful trying to line up what the book of Revelation says and make it a predictive timeline that we can judge our lives by, because it just doesn't work. Realize. That every time there's been social, political upheaval in the world, those Christians in those times thought they were in the end times. Okay? And we're not any different. And so, you realize that. Henry Haley, in his famous Haley's Bible Handbook, says this, It's best not to cloud the hope of his, of his Christ coming with a too detailed theory as to what is going to happen when he comes. Some people we suspect will be disappointed if Jesus does not follow the schedule they've mapped out for him. (laughs) So how do we relate Revelation to history? Well, okay, here's a guide. This is what I've found that's helpful to me. It's very helpful to take a literary approach to the book of Revelation. And I like this. The book is is kind of laid out like a seven-act play. Each act having seven scenes. Okay, it's, and you can see it. There's just full of sevens all over the place. Next week, we're going to look at Act 1 with seven scenes of the seven letters to the churches. Okay, and then we're going to look at Act 2 with the seven seals. Then Act 3 with the seven trumpets. Act 4 is about the battle between God's people and the dragon, and there's seven scenes to that. Act 5 is seven bowls of judgment. Then in Act 6, there's seven scenes describing the fall of Babylon. And finally, in Act 7, we have seven scenes describing the millennial reign of Christ. And I've just found that approach really helpful. And the book of Revelation has a cyclical quality to it. Because, you know, it, things just keep happening over. You're reading along and reading along and saying, hey, I've read this before. There's a lot of deja vu in the book of Revelation. Didn't I just read this? Okay, and, and each section, you know, starts, and each section seems to start at the beginning and take us a little farther into the future. Not only that, but each, it starts at the beginning, but each section takes us a little higher and gives us a greater, more cosmic perspective on what's going on. So at the beginning, we're kind of looking at it from, I'll tell you what it's like. It's like looking at your address in Google Maps and then zooming out to look at your address through Google Earth. Revelation has that quality. So you start out with seven letters, real churches on the planet, and by the end, you're looking what world affairs look like from the very throne of God. And so you just have that seven cycles of seven. And I don't know. It helps that. Each act is dramatic. Each, each, there's a climatic crisis, but the story always resolves with Christ and his church and his people being triumphant. God wins every time. And the whole play has a really happy ending. And wait, I hope you don't miss that message. That's a good message. Okay, but here's the deal. Nothing is so detailed that we can make any predictions. It's just not there. Jesus himself says he does not know the hour of his return. You do realize that. He says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, only the father. It's going to be a surprise. So we need to be prepared, and that's why he gave us this book as well as the other end-time teachings in the New Testament. And uh, in Matthew 24, 42, Jesus himself says, keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. Okay? For you who are revelation geeks or end-times geeks, I put a little chart of that seven cycles of seven on the back there. And so you can just kind of look at that if you're into it. So I figured some of you might. I'm going to have handouts for you geeks who like the stuff. Most of you don't care, but some of you do. So you just can grab that. And, so, and if we run out, I can get you more. Okay. Anyhow, don't be surprised. Be prepared. Thirdly, John says in verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, was, must soon take place. The thing to understand here is that what the revelation is, it's a showing, not a telling. It shows us, okay? Revelation is meant to be the first century's version of a multimedia experience. It's visual, okay? And, and, uh, it's, and it's actually known as a type of uh, genre that existed of literature called apocalyptic. That's just what they called it back then. That means it's very symbolic in its imagery. It's broad sweeping in its language, and it's cosmic in its perspective, and it's about the end of the world. This does not mean it's fictional, okay? It just means it needs to be read in a different way than the rest of the Bible, like the Gospel and Acts and the Letters. Eugene Peterson points out that there's nothing really new in the book of Revelation that's not already said in other parts of the Bible. It's just stated differently. Okay? It is a visual expression. It's not an intellectual presentation. It's not a textbook, it's a novel. It's not a blueprint. It's a painting. It's not a lecture, it's a symphony. Listen to it like music, read it like a poem. Look at it like a painting. If you're an, If you're into art, okay? the artwork is not realist, it's expressionists. So it's not a Malay, it's a Monet. You see the difference? Very clear. And then it's like, Revelation is, you you can't quite figure out the details, but you get the idea. Does that make sense? That's what that is. So, and then one final thing on this is some argue that the book of Revelation should be interpreted literally. And that's a dig, is it literal or symbolic? And I don't know how you'd ever interpret the book of Revelation literally. I mean, you really have to, I mean... You know, does Jesus really have a sharp sword coming out of his mouth? Is the devil really a dragon, literally? I mean, does beasts exist? I mean, you have to, you just really wrestle with the language. And the book itself comes out and says, this stands for this. It, it admits it's a symbol. And so, you know, I, I'm a symbolic guy. Just letting you know up front, I'm going to step on some of you guys' toes who are into the literal understanding. But there's just no way to do it. And that's what apoca- apocalyptic literature is anyhow. Okay? And, uh, and so... We have that, it's it's just another ground rule. You can take it or leave it. Finally, this book aims to reveal Jesus Christ, not just in the end times, but for all times, okay? The revelation comes from Jesus, but it's also about Jesus. And the main point of this book is to reveal Jesus from the beginning of time to the end of time. Jesus says in Revelation 1.8, I'm the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come. Alpha is the first letter in the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last letter in the Greek alphabet. Jesus is the first and the last. And he clearly says, Jesus identifies himself as who is, now, who was, past, and who is to come, future. It's all time. This is the Jesus we worship, not just the end times throughout the book it's revealed the son of god has already come to bestow god's grace but it's coming again to bestow salvation again to his people by bringing justice to the world but jesus is the main character of the whole thing of all the scenes of all the play in fact the very first vision that jesus shares with us in chapter one is a vision about jesus christ take a look at this in revelation 1 verses 12 through 18 john says i turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, okay, symbolic for the churches. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were like white wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze, glowing in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of rushing waters." In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. And he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I could stop right there. You know, I really could. This is a very different picture from Jesus from the one hanging on the cross. Okay, and I got to confess, this Jesus is a little intimidating. I think it's fast fascinating. I read this guy pointed out it's fascinating that the Apostle John, the one who wrote, "Perfect love casts out fear," when he sees Jesus, he falls down dead in terror, being terrified. And I'm going, if, if the Apostle John is terrified, what am I going to do? I can only imagine. I don't know. It's like, geez, and I think we all have a little fear and trepidation of that. But the good news is, Jesus is on our side. I love the fact that Jesus, this Jesus, it's like, reaches down, touches John, says, do not be afraid. That's my Jesus. He is for me, and I'm on his side. I'm glad I'm on his side. I'm glad he's on my side. I have nothing to fear. In fact, I'm encouraged that this is the one who's got my back. He's in control. And uh, are you for him or are you against him? And so the book is always challenging us. What is your relationship with God? What is your relationship with Jesus, the main character of this book? Let's go back. Let's close by going back to the blessing. John writes, blessed are those who hear this book and take it to heart, what is written. So how do you take this book to heart? And that's important. You re- you know, and I didn't think I said this earlier. Uh, yeah, you read it with your heart, not your head. You read the book of Revelation with your heart, not your head. So you take it to heart. You let it, you let it affect you. You let it impact you. And, uh, and, and, but there's more to it. How do you keep, how do you, you know, take it to heart? Well, in the last chapter, Revelation 22, 7, the blessing is repeated a little differently. It says, blessed is he that keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So how do you keep the words in this book? It's actually pretty easy. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because <laughs> there's not a lot of, you know, we're not doing much. But surviving, taking our stand, and keeping our eyes on Jesus, no matter of all this other crazy stuff. Keep following Jesus. Keep trusting Jesus. Keep your hope in Jesus. The Revelation calls us not to focus on the headlines, but the head of the universe. That's, what, that's how you keep it. Furthermore, we don't do this tomorrow. We do this today. The revelation really doesn't prepare us for tomorrow. It prepares us for how we are to live today. How are you going to live for Jesus today? Because it's not about future tripping. It's about how am I going to adjust my life right now. Amen? Let's all be standing for a closing word of prayer. Father in heaven, you are awesome. And sometimes we feel very, very small in the face of all the stuff that's going on. But may we, as we go through this prophecy, may we just come to realize how big you are, how powerful you are, but how loving you are to those who've received you and are your children. And so may we take encouragement and uh, comfort and peace and hope in your words. And may we kind of adjust our lives in the here and now knowing that uh, everything we're looking around, it's, it's destined to perish. It's just temporary. Help us to live for the greater future that you've mapped out in this great book and, uh, and grow in you and keep our eyes on you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.